Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby, where we hope to be informative and entertaining and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. back again for episode 67 and this one kind of snuck up on me so i don't know what what i've been doing but i must have been well busy. i know I, I know what you've been doing you have been busy <laughs> I, I have been busy yes yes and model related busy so that's that's true that's true what's up in your model sphere oh lots you know again we're, we're getting ready for this nat strip because it's right around the corner we'll get to that in a little bit but mm-hmm. uh you know, we had a we had a nice uh, building bull session with our Canadian friends and Jim, yeah, our quasi Canadian friends. <laughs> oh, I thought you were excluding him because he wasn't a friend. <laughs> no, he's a friend. Okay, <laughs> and uh, I guess he's coming to Nats now, so that's that, that worked out nice. Yeah, thanks to you. You you he in fact he he he's promised to buy you a drink when when we all meet up at the Nats. He's bringing me a kit. Yeah, I know. A good kit. Well, not a good kit, but uh, a nice. kit that you're you're happy to have. That's right. So there you that's go. that's my model sphere. But I'm just beat. We went up to South Elkhorn Creek and did a little smallmouth fishing today. And I tell you, standing out in the sun, uh, wading in current over rocks that'll that can take it out of you, man. Yeah, it can. Just being out in the sun uh, take it out of you. I was in the yard all day doing yard work, getting prepped for the vacation. Uh, so did you catch anything? Uh, we caught a few. It wasn't a great day, but we had a good time. No no keepers? No, no, you're not eating bass tonight? No, no keepers. Okay. Well, what's up in your model sphere, Dave? Well, um, I've been making progress too, and we'll talk about that. But the gnats start to seem real about now. Now is when the time when it kicks in where you're starting to, to really realize it's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. Then you start thinking, okay, I got to remember to take this. I got to remember to take this. I've already got a spot in my basement where I've started to pile stuff that I need to take to the gnats for people. And so uh, it it also gets the juices flowing. So I've managed to get to the bench more and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty darn happy with it. My model sphere is, is, is looking up. Hopefully I'm going to get a lot more bench time here going forward. Uh, the gradu- yeah. graduation stuff out of the way and now we're in full blown summer mode so you need to come by the come by the place for July 4th we're going to we're going to have a July 4th cookout and pool party so you need to well we were talking about that this morning and uh, we'll see what we can do man good good love to have you and you know what i might even have a beer or two for you cool man <laughs> speaking of of modeling fluid uh, do you have a modeling fluid with you I do. I'm on the old standby, Dave. A little orange label bullet tonight. Yes, you should, you were you were having some of that last night during our modeling session, uh, online modeling session. We did short pours. I, I I filled up a few times, but it was never much. So yeah, uh, slept good. That's about <laughs> it. Felt fine. It seemed to work well for you. You were getting stuff done. You know that may be the first building bull session we've had that actually did modeling. <laughs> Yeah, it does tend toward the bowl rather than the build most of the time. Well, what's what's you got 
in your glass, Dave, or can or bottle? Well, it's a can, as you can tell. I have Little Something Something Ale by Laguntis Brewing out of... I think it's Langanitis. Oh, is it Langanitis? Yeah. Okay, they're out of Petaluma, California and Chicago, Illinois. Two locations. I was going to say, I hope the water, this is from the California water, not the Chicago River water. Mmm, <laughs> that's good. I've actually had this beer uh, once before about uh, two weeks ago and really enjoyed it and actually had neighbors over and uh, uh, wife enjoyed it and the neighbors enjoyed it. So I thought uh, I, I'd stock up on a little more. So, Well, I've had it too, so. I have no doubt that at the end of the episode, I'm going to have good news to report. Well, a couple other things before we get rolling. Um, I should have mentioned this at least one episode ago, maybe two, that I had uh, had mentioned that OKB Grigorov, you know, the company makes all right. the 72nd scale stuff, was it was a Russian company. Well, yep. it's not. It's not. Uh, it's a Bulgarian company. Oh, is it Bulgarian? Yeah. I yeah. didn't know. So, I was always under the impression because of the name, I guess. That it was a Russian company. Uh, I think Chris Madding and somebody else told me told me that. Oh, that okay. Is, I, I've just failed to get it corrected. In fact, there's a splash on their homepage now, just in case folks are confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and nobody wants to be thought of as Russian anymore. At least not some people. And the other thing was, uh, we I'd mentioned uh, that you know I'd hoped that Andy of Andy's Hobby Headquarters didn't get Shanghai because of that that. Quick follow-up on a release from another company of the one he he, he announced, the big 16-scale Easy 8 Sherman. And uh, I think it was Chris again and also Evan, Panzermeister 36. So there must have been a conversation about this somewhere out on the web, I suspect, that uh, uh, apparently there's like design shops. Yeah, that's that's what uh, uh, yeah. Evan Evan was talking about. Yeah, I, had that, never, I didn't know this. This was that, this was big news to me. That, that, do, that do the research – and then they they sell it off to whoever will buy it, I guess. Something and, something like that. So and they don't limit themselves to just one company. If if that's the way it really works, then apparently not. <laughs> yeah, I I found that fascinating. I, that that there would be a you know I always thought that the model companies did their own research and design work. The the fact that there would be a company or or you know some business that. Its business model was doing the research and and all, and then selling it as a package to a model company. That that that's just fascinating to me. I'd like to know I'd, if anybody out there knows more about that. I'd love to hear more about that and how how it works and how many companies are out there doing it, etc. Which which to you know from from my own experience, it, it still lends itself to the kits being different. Because the tool design is a completely separate design effort than the than the actual model, right? So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that because uh, that that follow up was pretty darn fast after Andy released that video. But enough on that. Let's get into listener mail, Dave. All right. Do we, anybody emailing us lately? People are always emailing us. <laughs> yes, they are. Well, let's start with one I missed last time somehow. Our our past guest Ed Barrett out in at, out in uh, sunny California reminded me that I missed his email somehow. Uh-oh. Sorry about sorry about that, Ed. It wasn't right. deliberate. 
But like in a good engineer, he was monitoring the situation and took corrective action. <laughs> That's right. Uh, he said our listener's comment is correct. Now, the comment he's referring to is in episode 65, talking about the other category models built for destruction. Mm-hmm. He says, to be fair, most are deliberately built for destruction uh, by the entertainment industry. True enough. He knows that because that's his neighbor's job. Oh, really? That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, but most of them, you know, get uh, BB gun targets, et cetera. Yeah, it's <laughs> a fire, firecrackers and put the boat in the creek. That's always a good one. And uh, he enjoyed uh, Mike Mikowski's uh, appearance. I guess that was, that was in 65 also, our, our real space friend. Yes. And uh, yeah, he had met uh, Mike in Vegas and they were kind of kindred spirits, he says. So, Oh, yeah. He enjoyed the real space discussion. I, I know a couple of people out there who probably did, too. And uh, distinguishing between rockets and payloads, he sent me a, a long list, five five different kits of, of satellites, et cetera, and possibly lunar landers, maybe. Yeah. Off the look. But, you know, it, everything from 70-second scale up to 30-second scale, but these are payloads, not rockets. <laughs> uh, and he also says uh, there's websites out there where you can download paper models for s- spacecraft. Yes, I have seen those. In fact, I think I've seen uh, one or two of those at a Wonderfest before. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. And, you know, with these, he gives, gives them out to teachers uh, when he goes to schools and stuff. But uh, scratch builders have to start somewhere, he says. That's right. Well, Ed, thanks for the information, man. Let's move on. All right. Who we got next? Brandon Walters from uh, Guelph, Ontario. He's written in before. Yes, because we had a discussion about Guelph. 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 That's yeah. right. I think we're straight now. Well, he been he he answered the my call about kid builds that went wrong. <laughs> uh, this reminds me of one that went wrong for me ages and ages ago. It was uh, Ravel. And maybe it was a monogram before that, the USS Enterprise, CV-65. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, he got a kit with the uh, with a warp flight deck. Look, says it looks more like one of those British carriers <laughs> with the ski jump on it. Yes. <laughs> uh, and he had no luck getting it settled down because uh, nobody in his household ever built models, and all he had was Elmer's glue. Ooh. Yeah, I built a lifelike dinosaur. With Elmer's glue one time. Did you really? Yeah. I was young. Oh, man. <laughs> that might actually predate the uh, monogram B-24 dad and I built. Maybe. I don't I don't remember. That's a long we're, time we're ago. Gonna, we're going to have to get you some deep hypnosis to recover these memories <laughs> and determine if the dinosaur became before the B-24. All right. Moving on. Eugene Suda. I hope that's correct. Modeling injury, Dave. Uh-oh. Eugene's from Arlington Heights, Illinois. All right. All right. I think that's Chicago area. I was going to ask if you thought that was Chicago area. Good I think job. it is. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I read I read your mind. Maybe maybe I'll be able to figure out if that uh, dinosaur was the first kit you built by the end of the episode. Maybe we should do a Karnak routine. There you go. That's right. <laughs> Ah, he has an X-Acto story while changing his X-Acto blade. And what did he do here? He closed his bench drawer too hard, and the X-Acto rolled off and went right in his leg. So stitches were involved. Yeah. Lessons learned. Just slap some super glue on that cut and keep modeling. Eh, That works sometimes. 
Now uses Frisker's uh, branded knives because uh, they're flat. They yes. hold a number eleven, and they're they also have a four jaw chuck, which is something Exacto actually went away from, which drives me absolutely nuts. Yep, yep. I I, I use the uh, Fiskers and the Alpha, both have the four jaw chuck, which I absolutely like. They don't come loose nearly as easily. All right, Eugene. Hope you don't have that happen again. Well, that that reminds me, we were on the the build and bull session last night, and Ian mentioned a, you know, I talked about uh, previously somebody making an exacto handle that was weighted toward the rear so that if it got dropped, it went bottom first instead of blade first. And he said he had a handle like that and it fell off the bench and he instinctively reached down to try and catch it and came down on top of the blade because it was falling point up. So maybe there's no perfect solution. Uh, One that doesn't roll off the bench. Yes, that is the best solution. (laughs) Well, this is probably the single most common injury. Yes. Maybe not dropping it, but cutting the crap out of yourself. Yeah, getting cut with an X-Acto blade when you didn't intend to. Stephen Lee. All right. Yeah, he says he's going to start working with, on the phone for with uh, three Floyds as soon as possible. And I think, did you send him a potential? I sent him the information that I had. Okay, which wasn't much, unfortunately. No, unfortunately it wasn't. For some reason, three Floyds is being very shy and we need to, we need to get them out of their shell because we certainly have the mass worldwide audience that can help grow their distribution. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're too busy making beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to say, if it's if it's a choice between talking to us and making beer, I want them making beer. But hopefully they can carve a few minutes out to talk to us. I hope so. That'd be interesting. Yep. Unless there's no story there, just some guys saw them and thought they were cool. No, there's there no, I, th- those packages are too perfect. There is somebody who they're definitely has that in their past and, or who knows, maybe they're present. And uh, that's, there's just, they were too well done, particularly the barbarian Hayes one. So I'm, I'm, I'm bound to determine we're going to get to the bottom of this story. In addition, he says, quote, shines like justice. Excellent surprise call out to cake who are awesome live. Yes. That was a, a musical tidbit, musical reference to the band cake. The song is Short Skirt, Long Jacket. By the way, by now, do most listeners realize that you, in most episodes, drop in some sort of musical reference somewhere along the line? Uh, A lot of them do. And they just kind of pop into my head. That one was just, somebody said shine. That's the first thing. It's a a free association or random association kind of curse I have, I guess. All right, Steve. Thank you. Glad you got the music reference. Greg Williams. Where's Greg from? Oh, Ohio. He's written in before. Ah, we were talking about level up builds last time. Uh, his grandfather served in World War II driving an anti-aircraft half-track in Europe. Oh, and wow. He's got, he's got the 116th scale M3 half-track from Trumpeter sitting in the stash. Uh, still to build yet. And he says that will be the one he really wants to knock out of the park. Don't wait too long. Don't Don't keep putting it off till you're, you know... Till one day you get better, get better and then do it because, you know, you, you can always do it again, but go ahead and, and, 
you don't want to be there at the end thinking about, oh, I only wish I had built this kit that I wanted to build. Well, he sets himself up for success early because he says he wants to leave it pristine like it just drove off the factory floor. So that uh, takes the weathering of it off the yes. table. Yes, it does. I, and I would say, you know, you can't hit it out of the park till you step up to bat. So, Absolutely. Oh, that's good. good metaphor. You're going to have to uh, get on it. That's a pretty big kit. That's probably not terribly huge in 16 scale, but uh, no, I'm sure there's a lot to it. I, I suspect there probably is. Well, good luck, Greg. I'm sure it'll be great. Yep. Robert Smith, man, the lead singer of The Cure follows our That's, podcast. Oh, dear, dang it. You, you beat me to that like by that much. I was just about to, to make it with you making all the musical reference. I was <laughs> going to get one in because I knew the name Robert Smith and The Cure. <laughs> well, a different Robert Smith. This Robert's from Syracuse, New York. Well, wait a minute. Are you sure it's a different Robert Smith? The lead singer of The Cure could be a modeler. He probably didn't live in Syracuse. Eh, probably not. Uh, when he was 18, another modeling injury, he was doing, tackling a vacuform kit. Oh. Uh, a Rare Plains F-84. Oh. Fuselage went smoothly and he moved on to the wings. Took a break. Washed all the sanding slurry off his hand and saw he'd sanded his fingernail of his of his ring finger down about three quarters of the way to the bottom of the nail. <laughs> no blood, but it, it did not take long for the finger to really start singing, stinging. Oh, excuse me. I'll bet. Yeah, no doubt. That's no uh, good. Oh, that that's a, that's unique. That's that's an injury I have never heard of before in modeling. But oh, that one doesn't go away overnight. Uh, and he says he did the exacto and the thigh thing as well. Haven't we all? <laughs> yeah, haven't we all? Uh, says the finger was worse though. Oh, I I believe it. I believe it. Like I said, the exacto and the thigh. I mean, it, it, it hurts. It bleeds. You know, you seal it up, and you know, it might be sore the next day, but then it's gone. That you file your nail bed nail down. That'll last a long time. And finally, Michael Karnaka from New York City. He wishes us well to Omaha. He's going to stay at home and turn green with envy. <laughs> well, go on our Facebook page because there will be tons of photos from from Omaha. I can I can guarantee it. I always feel like I want to do that, but I always end up enjoying the show too much to take yeah. pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't post from Vegas. I didn't post as many as I wanted to, but uh well, somebody who really knows what they're doing always posts a huge expose. Yes. So for yeah. for us on the on the on the models, it's probably best just to link to somebody else's right. better work. Right. And we can, we can take all the fun photos of us, us being stupid with everybody. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. Are you suggesting that we and the OTB guys and and PPP are all going to get a little silly out there? Uh, we'll have some fun. We'll see what I, happens. I'm sure. I'm sure we will. All right. Well, here's his. His question this time. All right. He wants to ask us both, what is the strangest or oddest thing you may have seen at a model show or convention over the years? Now, I, I, I'm going to make the rules here. This can be anything. It doesn't have to be a particular model. Anything, anything. strange or odd at a model contest or show. Um, <laughs> oh, God. There was a phase in modeling about 25 years ago. And thank, thankfully, it has. While it's not completely disappeared, it's it's faded a lot. Uh, you remember what Phoenix Follies were, right? Yes. 
Yes. Uh, Phoenix Follies, which I think is out, was out of England, may still be around. I don't know. Uh, they did figures, and they did figures of mostly scantily clad women who... Compromising situations. In compromising situations. And, and most of these female figures probably could not stand upright if they were real. Um, the proportion, let's put it this way, the proportions were um, exaggerated. And some of these things were just, some of them were in poor taste. Some of them were, well, all of them were in poor taste. Some of them were just <laughs> unbelievable. And you're like, why would anyone want to model that? And and I saw some of those at, at shows that you're just like, okay, why would you bring it out and show other people you modeled that? <laughs> That's, that doesn't say good things about your mental health. So that that though, thankfully that that has toned down. It's not completely died off, but it's toned down a lot, which maybe is a sign that people are getting better mentally. I don't know, but that some of those are some of the oddest things. I can think of a couple others, but what's the oddest thing you remember from any show? Uh, you'll remember this. I, I think it was at the one of the I don't know how many times they've had it, but it was the, it was the, the time I went to the IPMS National Convention in Dayton. Okay. And 97, 88, 97. Well, it's 97s when it was. Okay. It, was it was after I've moved to, up to Kentucky permanently. Gotcha. Uh, and this is just so cliche. This is the thing that the subject wasn't what most people think it would have been. But the the statement that was made was a uh, was a classic IPMS cliche, which was somebody had modeled the Titanic on the on the you know like the like the National Geographic photos right on the bottom of the ocean on the bottom of the on the of the ocean and we're standing there or walking by and there's two guys looking at it and one of them actually says the mud is not that color on the bottom of the North Atlantic. <laughs> oh god i and love I was that like, god help us we're doomed man <laughs> that that is one of my favorite stories of all time and you hope and i'm sure he wasn't but you hope the guy was joking you hope that was two good friends and that was an inside joke it could have been but I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's certainly believable that it wouldn't have been a joke. So uh, there there's certain something in the timing and the and the, the manner in which it was said that I'm not so sure it was a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe not now, but at that time I mean there'd been more people on the moon than had been at the Titanic wreck site. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm sure he wasn't one of them. Yes. <laughs> I, I could be wrong. I think odds are in my favor. I, I think odds are in your favor. Not only that, but at that depth, everything's black unless you bring down artificial light. And the color the art the color that's going to show is going to be based on the light you're using. Well, I don't know. You even have to get that nuance for this to be ridiculous. But yeah, that's one of my favorite. That that's that story encapsulates your classic rivet counter, color Nazi. That's right. Yeah. Well, that that's all I've got in the email basket, Dave. 
Well, uh, Facebook Messenger's been really active of late. One of the joys of, of the Facebook Messenger is because Mike and I both have access to it, you know, we both end up talking and replying to people who, who message us. And Mike and, and Evan McCallum, Panzermeister36, uh, uh, not long ago were messaging each other back and forth about one, you know, he did that, that uh, track review that we mentioned uh, the YouTube on. And then he mentioned that, oh, one of the tracks I reviewed that, that had problems, the manufacturer actually reached out to me. And uh, so that started a discussion back and forth about who watches his videos. And, and then you and he start talking back and forth uh, about different Russian stuff, modeling aspects, everything. And at that point, I'm on the sidelines just enjoying the conversation between the two of you. Uh and and it was it was it was pretty darn enjoyable. Interesting, we had a um, listener, Adam Greenwald, and I don't know where Adam's from, but he Mike had been posting photos of the base and the base work he was doing, and Adam actually reached out. Obviously, said complimentary things, but then also said critical things, which perfectly fine. I mean, was clearly done in in good spirit and in in a a attitude of sharing, improving. It was positive criticism, but it it was I I was really kind of pleased that our listeners felt comfortable reaching out and, you know, when we post our work online or post updates, reaching out and saying, "Hey, I saw this, I think that, 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 you know, doesn't just have to be, oh, hey, great model and move on. So I actually kind of found that a, a positive interaction. Well, that's the one I actually answered him. Yes. And, you know, I, I assured him I took no offense and he was not out of line to say anything. And it, it was, it was kind of kismet because uh, we'll get into it in, in our special segment later, but there's actually one aspect of that build that I'm not as happy with as I might've hoped to bit been. And he kind of hit it on the head and we'll talk about that later, but uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate the feedback and it was, it was, it was right on the money. I, I don't yeah. disagree. I don't disagree with him. So we'll get to that later. Tyler artists. And again, I don't, I've, we've interacted with Tyler uh, before he builds uh, all sorts of stuff all sorts of different things. He's building the mini art bulldozer and he was taught, you know, there are a lot of long cables on it. And he was talking about the fact that when clipping the parts for these long, thin cables, you end up breaking them when you cut them. The, the, the act of cutting them off the sprue ends up causing them because of tension or whatever to, to break or snap. They've all got knit lines in them. Yes. And, and, he actually reached out and, and asked about how you handle that. Now you can do something like use a ra- very thin razor saw to to cut the 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 sprue join. But I will tell you, I've I've got a pair of the God Hand clippers, the the side cutters, and while they are not cheap, I mean you're paying 
God, I forget what I, I know. I paid north of forty dollars for the pair that I have, and uh, actually, I have two pairs. So that's the insanity that that I go to. But got two hands, exactly. Yeah, Edward God hands. And I've told him since I since I have had those and used them exclusively, I have never had a long thin part snap on me like that or break in the middle or break under tension. There is just something about those cutters and how precise they are and how well engineered they are and how sharp they are that it's it's not a problem for me. So well I know everybody can't invest that kind of money in a in a modeling tool. It certainly will save you a lot of heartache on a project like that. Well, it'd save you from having to go buy a second mini art kit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. That might make me want to replace them with something else anyway. That's a whole yes. other ball of wax there. Yep. Yep. That's true. Because, uh, I mean, cables and pipes and stuff like that are, in the scheme of things, actually probably some of the easier stuff to replace with either third party aftermarket or scratch bill uh, other materials got any more well no that's it for this time there actually were a couple more conversations but uh, uh that hits the highlights it again if if you're out there listening and you want to reach out either to ask a question to to voice a criticism either of the podcast or whatever mike and i are posting pictures of please feel free to do so i mean you know, I say it all the time, the community that we built and the interactions that we have are really a real add to my hobby experience. And I'm enjoying the heck out of it. And I'm interacting so much more about the hobby than I was three, two or three years ago. And I'm convinced that's part of what has helped me keep the mojo alive and keep the building going, especially when you hit those rough patches. So please continue to do so. And the email can go to plasticmodelmojo at gmail.com. Keep them coming, guys. We love it. We do. Absolutely. Now, this is the point in the podcast where I interrupt the smooth flow of the conversation that Mike and I have going and remind you that if you're listening to this podcast when you're done, if you would please rate the podcast on whatever podcast app you listen on. Uh, give us five stars. We'd appreciate it. Uh, subscribe if you haven't subscribed. That way you don't miss an episode. And finally, tell a friend. Our podcast continues to grow, amazingly enough. Mike and I keep waiting for the point where it's like, we got to top out sometime, but it continues to grow. And that's in large part because you, the listeners, are telling other people and bringing them on board. And we, we're so grateful for that. Thank you very much. And when you're done listening to our podcast, you can check out all the other podcasts out there in the model sphere at modelpodcast.com. That's a consortium website set up with the help of Stuart Clark over at Scale Model Podcasts. He's set that up to uh, provide a direct banner link to all the other podcasts who've chosen to participate in this greater family of uh, pods with us, or pod of pods. Pod of pods. <laughs> Modelpodcast.com. That's where you can go 
find single links to take you right to the other podcasts. And it's a, it's a great way to, to at least get your foot in the door on all those. You can just subscribe to them if you want after that, but uh, you can find them all there. Modelpodcast.com. In addition to the podcast, we got a lot of blog and YouTube friends out there on the internet. We've mentioned him before, Stephen Lee, Sprue Pie with Fretz. He's got a great blog you need to check out and follow. Chris Wallace, Model Airplane Maker, YouTube channel and blog. Great blog. In fact, Chris just dropped a video today, which would be June 25th at the time of this recording, that uh, deals with the seam filling and complicated spots where you you don't want to lose a lot of surface details. So check, check it out. If you're in the 72nd scale, you need to check out Jeff Groves, Inch High Guy, all things 72nd scale. Uh, he's always got a lot of projects going on, and and he pumps out a lot of models. He is a freaking building machine. And, you know, sometimes when people do that, uh, they, they build a lot, but they don't invest in quality in necessarily in the, the quality. They're more going for the quantity. That's not Jeff. Jeff manages to crank out. Uh, these builds where he builds, you know, 16 of the Arma P51 BCs and every one of them, the quality is just fantastic. He's, he's an amazing modeler. And finally, Scale Canadian TV, our friend Jim Bates, and uh, hopefully Jim will be moderating our podcasts roundtable at nationals with all the other guys. And, and he's, he's threatened to wear a suit. <laughs> Tie dyed suit. No, no. Well, it could be. I don't know. But he has actually threatened because he apparently said last last year in Vegas when he when he did the the MC for the for the roundup we did there uh, that next time he was going to wear a suit and like a really bad wig. Yeah, well, that's possible too. That'd and maybe a, maybe a little red nose. You know, one of those clown noses. Well, I don't. <laughs> I just meant lounge lizard hair, not necessarily a clown. <laughs> well, but either 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 way. Maybe maybe an open shirt and some gold chains. All right. Well, that's our blog and YouTube, friends. Uh, and finally, uh, as I say every uh, every episode, if you are not a member of IPMS USA, IPMS Canada, IPMS Australia, IPMS Norway, or whatever your national IPMS organization is please consider joining them. IPMS is a uh, multi-country worldwide organization that really does a lot to benefit modelers and modeling and helping modelers find each other and form local chapters. And the local chapters are the backbone of modeling. It's where you get to hang out with your modeling friends. I, I highly, highly recommend you join uh, your national IPMS chapter. Well, Dave, one of those messenger conversations you you didn't mention was uh, somebody who had just done some uh, good interaction with uh, Dr. Miller. You you are right. All right, so Dave, let's have a word from our sponsor, Model Paint Solutions. You got it. Plastic Model Mojo is now brought to you by Model Paint Solutions, your source for harder Steenbeck airbrushes, David Union power tools, and laboratory-grade mixing, measuring, and storage tools for use with all your model paints, be they acrylic, enamels, or lacquers. Check them out at www.modelpaintsolutions.com. We are back once again, and once again, it is Wagon's Hole for Omaha, Dave. I can feel it, man. My palms are sweating and itching. I- I can feel my wallet trying to jump out of my pocket. 
how 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 long we got at the time of this recording dave it is 24 days away from the ipms national convention in omaha nebraska oh my gosh i didn't even i did not realize it was quite that close oh well, man under well, 30. it is because because the first is not not far off the end of the week friday yep well i tell you what it's getting exciting because posse's coming the geeks are coming the aussies are coming I'm sure there'll be other people who are coming that we don't know are coming yep. from po- maybe from podcast land, maybe yep. good on them if they make it and we'll meet them there too. Uh, it's going to be exciting. I can't wait for the, the round table. I hope we get that worked out. I know John's working on trying to get that shifted around a little bit because it's right when we're supposed to be busting down to the sack museum. <laughs> <see him>. Yeah. <laughs> so there's gonna be a lot of people sitting around waiting for us and we're not going to show up. If yeah, cause get, I, I'm not missing that. I'm not missing the museum nor the meal that we've paid for at the museum. I tell you, in addition to all that, it's just it's just getting exciting because because well, like I said, all the people who are coming. Um, it looked like Jim wasn't going to make it, and you know, I made a suggestion to him to not buy the expensive ticket straight to straight to Omaha from the West Coast, and I guess now he's going to fly to Salt Lake. Then they're going to truck it on over to Denver and pick up Banani and. Whoever yep. else is there with him and caravan on to Omaha. That's a lot of driving, but you know, yep. by yourself that would really suck. But with a, with a bunch of like minded individuals all going to the same thing for the same reason, that's that's not going to be so bad. I don't think. Oh no, you spend. I mean, whenever we go to model trips and you know, driving to to contests, the conversations are make the make the time go by. Everything from alternate history to, you know, just regular modeling bull to, you know, talking about what you're looking for, what you want to see, what you're entering. Just it makes the time pass because last time I went to Omaha with uh, Rich Giddig and, and Dr. Terry Hill and we did it overnight and I drove and I will tell you that night passed super quick because we were all sitting there talking to each other about a million different subjects, music, TV shows, movies. It, 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 the time passes. It won't be long now. I know. And I cannot wait. Uh, folks need to check out the seminar slate. It's up there. It's getting full, man. There's a lot yes. of stuff going on. A lot of great stuff. A lot of great stuff to learn and see and, and uh, participate in. So, And the world's largest traveling hobby shop. And that too. So, don't let the gas prices scare you. No, absolutely. Come on out. Come on out to the Nationals if you and if you if you're planning on it and if you haven't planned on it yet, plan on it. Plan on it. That's right. And and listen, here's my tip of the day. Don't spend all your money on the first day. There will be deals throughout <laughs> the weekend. Don't be one of those guys and I've done it before myself who blew the majority of my money right away. And then you're walking around the, the, uh, the vendor room for the next two and a half days going, oh, I wish I had, I wish, I, I wish. So gird your loins and guard your resources. We're getting close. You better get on it. If you plan on attending, cause this, it is literally knocking on the door now. So absolutely L- looking forward to it, Dave. Hell the, the, the Australians are probably already in the air. I want to know if Goldfinch is going to be able to smuggle that kangaroo in for me. Dave, we do a lot of talking about what's our plan for getting better. 
And I think uh, in the last week or so, we've both crossed the finish line on at least one project each. Yep. And I think uh, maybe we ought to size up what happened with our efforts and kind of look at those project completions and and through through that lens, kind of how... uh, how we got, were we successful at getting better and what did, what did we get better at or what new thing did we try or, or whatever, whatever else we could think of? Well, and not only that, but talk about what completing a model does for your mojo does for your, the actual finishing of a project, because I do think that's, uh, that's something that's often overlooked as far as, as, far as modeling goes actually finishing a project well ed barrett talked a little bit about that so let's let's knock that one out of the way first sure so once you start what uh what is a what does finishing one do for you um well uh, the one i finished uh recently was actually a model i started 30 days ago uh or more or less 30 days ago the uh bronco uh, Dongfang One, which I completed as a uh, Soviet SS2 sibling short-range ballistic missile, and the biggest thing that that completing a model does for me, uh, particularly if I was successful in applying some of my plan for getting better ideas, if I successfully pulled them off, is that. It gets the mojo flowing. The, 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 there is something about finishing a model that makes finishing the next model easier, particularly finishing one. You and I both tend to sometimes let projects drag out and be, for various reasons. This model was done beginning to end 30 days. Now, it's not the most complicated model ever. It's not a ZIS-2 on a base with a whole bunch of detail parts and all of that stuff. But it does make you realize that you have the ability to crank out models. And when you do that, it's, it's, it gets the blood moving. Uh, I will tell you, my since finishing the SS2, my my I don't want to say level of building because that's not right. My production level has increased dramatically, and I attribute that wholly to actually finishing a project. How about you? What does finishing do for you? It gives me phys- physical record that I can actually finish a model. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, of course it does that. <laughs> I'm usually pretty glad to get something off my bench, not because I'm sick of looking at it, though sometimes you, you are. But uh, finishing, I, I, I love it when it's when it's getting close. And and like for me, I had all these sub-assemblies on skewers and popsicle sticks and all that. And as I'm starting to meld everything together, I'm just throwing that stuff in the garbage. Yeah, and, and it just really feels like I'm 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 moving the needle on something, because at that point when you start putting subs together and putting stuff on the base, I mean every little thing you do on those in those modeling sessions really moves the needle on the thing being done, right? Because it's like right. it, stuff stuff gets amplified because uh, those little things coming together make huge differences in the finished model. Whereas before, 
you know, this sub's not that different than the other because they're both painted and weathered the same. Neither one of them are a complete thing in and of themselves. So it, it just, sometimes it feels like you're spinning your wheels. Yeah. Especially on a long project. Again, right. the, the virtue of the one I finished was because of the low parts count, because of the fact that it was a relative, it was an out of the box build, a relatively simple fit. I built it and painted it, finished it in 30 plus days. Whereas the one you finished, you've been slaving on for what, a year more? You know, I- I would have to go back and look at all my archive photographs to see actually when I started gluing those parts of that gun together. It's probably shameful. <laughs> well, let's let's not bring shame into it. It's many it, it it's it's more than 2 years. Yeah. To be honest, it kind of languished on the shelf and you know, it's kind of during my big dry spell when I tried right. to start it. Uh but you know, since we started this podcast, I guess I kind of picked up steam on it after I finished that PT-76 was kind of the first thing I finished when we, when we started in 2020 with this this show. Right. So, you know, the better part of two years off and on to get it get it done, which is still too long, but, you know, I, I got it done. Well, and, and, you know, while I'm enjoying this sense of accomplishment of finishing the SS2 in, in 30, 30 plus days, I've, I've got to wonder if the sense of accomplishment on a project that's stretched out over two years doesn't really add a lot more to the mojo as far as bringing it across the finishing line and realizing that you can get something done. You know, that's an interesting point. I I think, you know, as we get into the details and nuances of the project here in a little bit, uh, I think there's a lot that was learned, but as, as far as the absolute joy of finishing it, is it, is it any more or less, you may be right. I don't, I don't know that it is. That's well. That's a great question. Something for listeners. I mean, are are you happier? Do you get more joy out of finishing a project that went very quickly, or do you get more joy out of finishing a project that that drug out over over a couple of years? That's an interesting point, and I'd like to know. And as a side to that, is it more important that it's a build that's gone well? regardless of how long it took versus one that was kind of meh or didn't yeah. go well, or you weren't happy with, with the final product, I guess well, that's what I'm saying. And I can kind of speak to that. The, the, the mosquito that I finished that I struggled with was, was definitely, I just pushed it over the line to finish it. It's a meh build. It, it's not th- something that I'm ever going to put on a table anywhere it goes in the the uh, case, never to be generally seen by anybody, but uh, you when you come over to the July 4th cookout at my house. When you finish something that isn't just meh, you didn't just push to finish just to finish, but you actually tried some stuff, you actually paid attention some, to some stuff, and you managed to knock it out. I think those are the builds that I think really do get the mojo flowing. The the finishing the SS2 got my mojo flowing much better, much more than finishing the Mosquito did. Yeah, I can see that. And it, part of that's probably because 
one of them, you had a, a internal and kind of self-motivated, self-created desire to, to choose that subject and to build that subject. Yeah. The other one, not so much. Yeah. So the, pro- the, the problem of group builds and getting involved in uh, builds that aren't necessarily something that you would have otherwise chosen, um, which has special resonance for me since I received the email from the guys at IPMS Han- Hamilton that the next Musaru project was going to shortly show up uh, at, at my house and I'm kind of worried about what that might be. <laughs> you should be. Yes, I should be. <laughs> but And it's even more pressure for me. You having upheld the flag for PMM in the Musaru, uh, really, I got to admit, puts a little pressure on me to, to uh, you know, make my best effort. So we'll see what happens. But again, that's a model that's not of my choosing. And so... I'll, I'll report to listeners as as time goes on what if what effect that has on whatever this project is. And again, I pray to the gods it's a seventy second scale aircraft, but I don't think they're going to do that for me. Yeah, and well, I'll just throw in there real quick that you know we're not anti group build. It's just maybe we ought to find group builds that are aligned to our our own interests. Yes, like the Posse's M M three M four group build for for Nats. I mean. There's some guys and they're knocking it out of the park. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Clearly they, clearly they like Sherman's and M3s. Yes. Yep. And that's the thing maybe is to find a group build that you're actually interested in. Don't just don't just participate in a group build to participate in a group build, but find something that you're actually inspired to do and and you know, maybe that makes it easier to do that group build thing. Yeah. And, and, and that's for folks like us who kind of struggle with them. Some, yeah. some people can jump in and just do anything, but I think you, you and I are alike in that regard, but you know, we're digressing from our, from our topic here. We've had success. Why focus on something that's less than success? <laughs> so you, you've, you've succeeded the ZIS2 and base and everything. We're, we're calling it basically done. So, what what all did you learn? What did you get out of it? What what lessons are you going to carry on? What what things do you think you still have the ability to improve on? Just go to town. Let's see. To to self grade the project, I give for for what I wanted out of it, and for 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 my satisfaction, uh, you know, my expectation of the build, the 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 end end product. I I give. I give the gun an A and I give a lot of my peripheral equipment and, you know, detritus around on the ground there, discarded equipment and stuff. You know, I give that an A the base itself and and the scenery. Uh, I might stretch that to a B minus because there's some stuff there that I think I could improve on still. I think it's the best base I've ever done, but uh, still not quite there, but let's, let's back up a little bit and talk about the gun Focus on the positive. Well, but there's there's stuff to be learned and in the negative as well. And it, it wasn't that negative. It was just no. you know not uh, it wasn't an A. I don't know. That looks like an A to me. So tell me about the gun. It's a mini art kit. It was fiddly, 
lots of small parts. Uh, you know, back in listener mail, we had somebody talking about the thin parts breaking when you cut them off the runner. That was really, that was an issue a time or two on, on the Zis. And I threw in a photo etch kit, kit that wasn't designed for the mini art kit. There was a Zis 2 gun that was a maquette. Well, yeah, sort of it's a Larry. It was the, uh, it was a it's a Larry Zis 3, which is a 77.62 millimeter centimeter right. gun, right? Yep. And then this wafer of flash that had parts in it that if you gave a big enough of a damn, you would cut them out of that sheet of flash. <laughs> They're really horribly molded and really poorly tooled parts to, to change the gun shield, to change the gun. It was a mess. But anyway, Edward ages ago released a photo etch set to improve it. And it needed it. So Edward never released photo etch for the much better mini art kit? Not yet, no. Really? Because that mini art kit isn't that new, is it? At this point, no, it's not. I can't remember when it was released, but it's it's not new anymore. It's probably huh. 10, 10 years old at this point. It surprises me Edward wouldn't have done that. Well, regardless, uh, you know, I, I I built the gun. Jeez, I, I wonder if even that was from one of our conversations that was supposed to be an out-of-the-box build. <laughs> You have zero ability to build out of the box. Well, that's a different topic. <laughs> I improved on the kit as best I could. It's a very fragile kit. It was a hard build just because handling it was kind of not fun. Prone prone to breakage, prone to damage. Uh, and then in, in the painting of that thing, it was like, okay, we're not going to dry brush. Even though I cut my teeth on that and lived that lived in that world for a long time. Uh, the, the PT 76 build kind of was the first move out of that kind of weathering philosophy. Yeah. And it's not bad. I learned a lot of stuff on that one, but on the, on the gun, I kind of pushed it a little further and I used a lot, lots of greens on that thing. I, you know, when I started posting the finished photos on, on Facebook, Evan McCallum commented on the, on the four BO color and, that he liked it and wanted to know what I used. And I was like, well, it's more of a matter of what didn't I use? And uh, we'll talk about that in Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> Again, one of the things about getting better, this is technically only your second, I don't want to say Spanish school because no, it's, it's not I that. Know what it's, it is. Or, or night shift because it's not exactly that either. Although he informed a lot of what people are doing these days, but it's, it's only your second non classic dry brush finish model. That's my third. Cause the, I, I did the, uh, the little airfix build this. Oh way yeah. Okay. But anyway, yeah. that, it's not many. Yeah. Though on my schedule, that's kind of a, it's many trips around the sun. <laughs> Well, you'll 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 just have to build a little faster. You'll get there. It it, it came out it came out good. I like the finish on the gun. I like the way all the greens kind of came together in the end. I was a little worried at first because I was start I started picking out details in different colors, and one of the colors I picked was a uh, a green that was more on the, like the brown side of olives and and not yellow, which I yeah. think the real 
4BO color tends to fall. And it's like, ooh, that's not looking good. But when I started the pin washes and all the oil paint rendering and stuff on the gun, uh, it just kind of worked out. So in that, in that regard, that build helped me push it a little further. I probably pushed it to where I'm about comfortable with it right now. I think, uh, I think if I build a few more green tanks and, and can get that level of color in them, uh, I would be happy with them. Maybe like a KV-85. Yeah, probably. <laughs> or well, two shit well, launcher. What about the base? I mean, the one place you're grading yourself lower is the base. But yet you admit that it's the best base you've ever built. What did you chicken out on something? Is there something that you look at it and you think that, okay, obviously I didn't, I was trying to do this and I didn't accomplish it? Or is it just, I did good? but I know that there's more that can be done. What is that? Well, it gets back to that listener mail we got through Facebook. Facebook message from Adam Greenwald, who offered some constructive criticism on the base. And I said earlier, I think he kind of nailed it. There's just not a level high enough of variation in color in, in the vegetation, probably and even texture in the vegetation and in, and also in the earthwork. Which the lesson for me is that before I put the model on that base, it really looked like it was going to be enough. But then when I changed the dynamic of the contrast by putting the model on there, all the contrast and the groundwork just kind of normalized. That's interesting. So so the next time I think if I do something like that again, I'm really going to have to to push it as far as I pushed it on the on the gun as far as highlight and shadow and, and all that is to really, to really t- turn it up uh, like another notch, turn it up to 11 because with that base, you know, I, I, I built it, I take, I put all the stuff on it, all the vegetation, all the earth. And I did the, the painted black thing that uh, you see on a uh, night shift modeler. Right. Right. And then I brought it all back to the earth tones and I was really happy with it. And then when I put the gun on it, it just kind of, it didn't look like I'd done very much. That is something that I found as far as weathering goes in modeling and doing weathering. Whatever you think that you did never is enough when you finally finish it. I mean, <laughs> it's am- it's amazing how it mutes back out as you're finishing the model. Now, you know, again, I'm not a huge fan of the Spanish school where you get the really super high contrast, but if I if I weather and I look at a model and I think, yeah, that's really weathered, okay, then I go ahead and do the decals and all that stuff, and then I'm like, wow, a lot of that weathering and a lot of that contrast disappeared. Where did it go? And, and that's still something that I struggle with. So I think next time, next base I do, I'm just going to turn it up a little bit and see how it goes. Gotcha. Now, as far as other things, you know, one, one thing I did on, on this model is I really put an equivalent time into all the the supporting stuff on the base that I, that I put into the primary model. 
And and we've all seen, we've all been in a model contest and seen a diorama where you can tell that the modeler, he put a lot into the model on the base, but then he shortchanged the supporting material, the groundwork, the the detritus, whatever. And it looks like a really good model on a so-so base. Yeah. And I, I think I, I was guilty of that on, on a lot of my past projects. Yeah. Because the base was just kind of almost an afterthought or was an afterthought in its entirety. This And this time I tried to avoid that. And I moved the needle on it, but I didn't quite move it far as i would like gotcha but uh, but other things i've learned uh, you know painting wood i got a good handle on that I, I like the way the the revetment walls turned out i like the way the ammo boxes turned out well and and that's something you did both old wood and new wood you did right. fresh wood and weathered wood true i really like the way your your gun stocks came out well if there's anything that for me really was like a plus level. I, I think it's the most in the got rifles. I, I tried something there that I wasn't sure it was going to work, but uh, it did. And it, it worked out well. I, I was really pleased. It was difficult to make those rifle slings to, to figure all that out. But once I got a technique down, it really wasn't so bad. So uh, those came out good. And then the wood grain on the rifles and the, and the metal on the rifles, just, it all just came together. And, that's that's certainly something I'm going to carry forward. Uh, those came out really, really well. Uh, I, I surprised my. That's the one one thing that I, that I surprised myself on. So well, that's that, that's one that that I'm really pleased with. Well, the way those, and, those two rifles came out. And again, just goes to show you, you got better. You tried I, something. Now some other stuff you tried, like you know the general base. Didn't while it was an improvement, it wasn't an improvement enough that you wanted, you know, what you were aiming at, and you know you can get better. But focus on those those rifles. Now, from here on out, you know how to do that. And I, I think you know the 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 project in its entirety. I, I think uh, certainly success is far as the mantra goes what's my plan for getting better yeah uh, it's i think i was north of the status quo for myself uh, when i say status quo i mean just my my build history but you go look sure. at my display case those projects yeah not 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 the hobby at large um for my my status quo i think everything is north of that which is a win yeah absolutely well, there's an old saying, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. That's right. You know, don't, don't, don't beat yourself up over whatever fell short of what you saw in your mind's eye when you can look at, say, the rifles or the gun and realize, okay, I did a lot of stuff really, really well judging to to the standard of what I wanted to do. The fact that I didn't hit everything that way just means that I can carry my plan for getting better into the next model. Yep, that's true. 
And I have no doubt your KV-85 base is going to be fantastic. Well, you know, base, that, that made me think of one more thing on it that I may may do different. Now, I told you that this was kind of a, I joked it was a tentative finish, right? Right. And I say that because some of the issues I have with the base, I could still address if I wanted to. Right. But at this point, you're afraid to effing it up. Yeah, I could F it up and sometimes it's just leave, best to leave well enough alone. Yeah, take the win. Take the tie. Yeah, right. No, it's not a tie. I did better than a tie. No. I, but the other, the other point is that uh, one thing I see a lot of people struggle with on bases is base size. Yeah. This one is still just a little bit too big, like <laughs> maybe 10%. Do you, do you know what I remember? Uh, Shep Payne may have commented on it at, to some extent, but the place that I really remember reading about that was for Linden. Yeah. Talk, talking about people in general make the base too big. And I, I try to avoid that, but I, I think if I was to do it completely over again, I would cut that front right corner off at a 45 degree angle. You know, like split trailed arm to split trail yeah. arm. Yeah. Take take out that big dead section in the front. <laughs> it's not huge because I've I've kind of had I tried to encroach some of the discarded equipment out that direction to kind of alleviate that, but right. It's still it's just a a little bit too much. So yeah. lesson learned. Well, again, that's the whole point of this is learning lessons by finishing and not only getting enjoyment out of it not only being satisfied yet not satisfied you're you're satisfied with what you did you learned lessons you recognize your successes but then you promise yourself okay i'm going to build on this this and this yeah exactly yeah. good way to say it yep well what about your uh, rocket well I'll, I'll tell you what one of the one of the biggest, for me, wins out of this uh, SS2 was the fact that I finished it, and I finished it in 30 days. Now, again, not a complex kit, not a lot of parts, but given the fact that my last couple of projects have taken some significant period of time, it's, it was nice for me to know that I can, if I focus on it, knock out a model that I find satisfactory in a little more than 30 days. I've, I've always said this about airbrushing, but I think it's true pretty much in all aspects of modeling. The best way to get better is to do it. And the more, many of the most successful modelers I know are modelers who crank out subject after subject. Uh, uh, Jeff Groves, Inch High. I mean, the man knocked out 16 P51 BCs uh, in a relatively short order, partly because he sold his soul to the devil, but the part that he didn't sell to the devil was from the fact that he focuses on it, builds it, 
and in his case, he builds assembly line if he's building more than one one of the same thing. But there's a certain satisfaction in knowing I can knock something out quickly, and in doing so, gives me hope for the next model that I can knock it out quickly. The other thing was the kit had uh, locating issues. The the all you basically had to cut off all of the locating pins and everything because none of that worked, none of that fit correctly. And in doing so, I did it. And in in many cases, that would have caused me to slow down on a project. But I was able to um, get it together, pay attention to uh, alignment, um, which in turn made me pay attention to the seams. And I got, got good seams. I also... I like the color that it ended up uh, uh, just now. It's not the best model I've ever built. Again, it's not something that's got a lot of weather. Of course, a, a short range ballistic missile, you know, doesn't weather because it's covered up unless it's actually being used. So there's not a lot of weathering to it, but it's still, it's not the best model I've ever built, but it is a really good model that I was able to crank out in a short period of time on a subject matter that I have an interest on in the fact that I want to build a collection of. I want to build a collection of Soviet and Russian ballistic missiles. You can't have a collection if you don't actually build them. There were there's a real satisfaction, and in finishing it, it really did get my mojo going. I went back to the B fifty two, which is definitely going to be done by Omaha because of the fact that I was almost there when I started the the SS two, and it 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 got the juices flowing and. If I finish the I finish the SS2, I finish the B52, I'm halfway through the year and I finish three models. In theory, and this is theory, that would mean that I could finish six models in a year. I finished six models in a year. I've never done that before. Not once. Not once have I ever finished it. The prospect of doing so, I find pretty damn exciting. I also discovered something else about myself, which or rediscovered. You know, when I was when I was first into modeling, I think that decaling, painting, and finishing was what I liked the most. I really think in reflecting on it now, I like construction better. There's something fulfilling about the actual building of the model and getting it to the state where it's completed from a construction standpoint, and then you can move forward with painting. I must be rubbing off on you. You, you know, that may well be you and Jim, ba- you and Jim Bates. And I think that as, as I get older, I am more and more enjoying the construction, the construction aspects of modeling. 
Well, I thought he really liked to paint because he does it two or well, three times per model. Per model. Yeah. Well, you know, glass houses and everything. I, I would love to rag on Jim for that, but I certainly have had those particular challenges. Two things. Okay. First, what other than construction time? Because I, I don't know that that's what it was, why you picked that subject. I think you picked it because you liked it. Yes. Just happened to be a rocket. Yeah. What did you do on it that was new or different that you succeeded at? And then once, now you say you, you could, in theory, finish six models. That'd be awesome. Yes. Are you going to up the ante on the 30-ish day finish and, and try something besides a rocket? Maybe something with wings on it? Well, uh, there is something in process that I'll probably preview on the on the Facebook page. Uh, my my next uh, project, uh, which is moving along at a particularly quick pace, so uh, yeah, I want to see if I can if I can up the ante and take a more complex model and finish it. Maybe not in thirty days, but in sixty days. And uh, again, I've got a, a closet full of models, a closet full of models I want to build. And that's two. That's two different closets, people. Yeah, all right. I I do th- I do want to have more things in my case and more more things that I'm interested in. I I will tell you that's the other thing that the I think the SS two reinforced to me is the fact that. I should build the stuff that I'm interested in, stuff that I want collections of, Soviet and Russian missiles or Japanese aircraft or whatever. You know, it's nice to stray out of the genre and learn new stuff. And with the M30, I'm certainly doing that. But by the same token, I've found that if I finish a model in the genre, in the stuff that I'm interested in, it brings me a lot of satisfaction. Uh, in regard to this model, one of the things that I think that I paid special attention to and that it worked for me was both seams and and re-engraving. I did both of those things, and I like what I did, and I think it looks good. It did better than I have done previously in those two areas. And I think I can build on that success. That's the other thing, you know, talking about finishing a model leads you to finishing the next model. If you finish a model and you do some stuff really well on it, I think that reinforces your ability to do that same stuff really well on the next model. And then add to that toolkit when you focus on something in addition. I'm I'm just really pleased. And and I overcame some challenges. The kit decals were definitely a challenge. Oh, and that's another thing I did. Uh, and I'll post I'll post a blog post on this and link to it in the Facebook page. In general, I have over the last 30 years, built models and decaled them using Microsol and Microset. I occasionally will go to Solve a Set when 
I, I, you know, run across a real challenging decal. But over the years, I have bought six, eight different uh, decal setting solutions. And yet they sat on my shelf and I, I never used any of them. I never tried any of them. Microsol and Microset worked. So I just continued to use those. And the nice thing about this missile with the so-so decals, I decided, you know what? Instead of Microsol and Microset, I'm going to try one of these other six formulations that I've got that I've never used. I bought over the years and they just sat there. Go ahead and try them. You might discover that you prefer them. Now, in this case, I used Tamiya, and it it worked as well. I'm not sure it worked particularly that much better than Microsol or Microset, but I learned something by going ahead and trying something different. I think that there's a lot of times that we as modelers buy stuff, you know, to have, but then we never break out of our habit to try something new because we're comfortable where we are. Part of your plan for getting better is stop being comfortable where you are. And so in this case, I used those decal setting solutions. They worked really well. Again, I'm not sure it was a huge improvement over Microsoft Microset, but I experimented with it. I now know something about it. And I can try a different one next time and see if I find something that I like better. Even even exper- an experiment that doesn't lead to, okay, I'm changing what I'm, I normally use is still an experiment worth doing. True. Yeah. I, I agree. Folks, we're going to turn the page on this uh, chapter of our builds and get onto some new stuff, so... We're going to finish some new stuff. We're going to finish some new stuff. So keep keep building, keep practicing, keep trying and, new stuff. And let us know what you think. Let us know what finishing a project does for you. Does it does it pump up your mojo? What what do you try and learn something from every build? Do you try something new from every build? This is a, this is an area that I think that modelers don't quite focus enough on. So I'd love to hear from listeners on the subject. Well, I would too. So send us something, folks. Let's hear what you got to say. Absolutely. Dave, I know my bench is looking a little empty now for reasons we just discussed, uh, but that's not going to last long. Maybe it has already started having things creep creep onto it since I took that photograph for Facebook. But what's on your bench that's not finished yet? Well, as you know, the SS2 sibling got finished and is off the bench. The B-52 has got, it's uh, about three quarters of the way 
through the painting. It's it's got its base coat, and because the B fifty two is one color, if you just paint it one color with no variation, it's it's going to look kind of boring. And if you look at a real B fifty two in real life, because of the fact that there's maintenance and panels and all of that, there's variation in the scheme. So. I'm going back and with a lighter color, filling in panels, doing streaking, doing all sorts of things to break up the monotonous gray color. And it's it's about halfway through that process. Then once that's done, it is a real quick hop, skip, and a jump to gloss coat and decals. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the decals on this one because it's uh, uh, a bird my brother flew in combat. So I'm um, I'm really looking forward to getting the decals on on that one. Also, having crept onto my bench because we had the uh, bull and build session last night, I started an Airfix B5N2 Kate. I have a particular interest in Japanese World War II aviation. Have made a promise to myself that one of the things I was going to do once at least one of the models. A year that I built was going to be a Japanese World War II aircraft. I've had the Kate kit for a couple of years now. It's a fairly recent release. All the reviews are very, very positive of it. And so I've been wanting to, to, to tie into it. And so I'm building a Pearl Harbor Kate. They don't have an old one, do they? Or is this the, what's? No, Airfix did not have an old Kate. This is oh. a new tool and they released it about probably four or five years ago, maybe a little longer. Time flies when you're not modeling as much as you should. And it's, like I said, all the reviews are very positive. It's modern Airfix. It it was a welcome addition because uh, previous to that, the Kate that was available was the Hasegawa Kate, which is actually the X-Mania Kate. And those molds are old. It's it's an understatement. Yes, very very old, and the the Hasegawa kit's still a fine kit and can be built up into a very nice model. But because of when it comes from and all, it's got just a super rudimentary interior, and you know because of the g- greenhouse canopy that the Kate has, you can see into the interior. So the Airfix kit has an actual interior. So I'm really looking forward to this and. Uh, I think that's that's about it as far as things that move. The M30 needs to move forward, but I just need to... I started chipping, then I stopped, and I need to get back to chipping. But uh, I, will, I will tell you part of what's inspiring me and probably will have me getting back into that right after the Nationals is uh, what I've been seeing you doing lately. So what's your benchtop look like? Well, it's ready for finishing something else I haven't finished yet or starting something new or both. Both. Definitely both. Yeah, I think so. Maybe more than one both. All right. Maybe more than one new. Things have gotten interesting for All right. My, my, my build horizon. I've got to get the E16 out of the out of the display case and back on the bench and I might have done that already. You're you're in the easy part of that. I mean, you've got it all assembled. Oh, that's just the that's just the plane, though. I, yeah, I could start painting the plane. Well, no, I can't. Would you rather figure out how to attach the launch trolley to the plane before it was painted or after? Uh, All right, 
Your hesitation is your answer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's primed. I, I need to do a little layout and figure out what I'm going to do to attach that thing to the bottom of the plane. And then, yeah. then, I can, then I can paint it. Okay. But I would think if I'm not missing my guess, when push finally comes to shove, this this model will basically just sit on the launch trolley. I mean, you may have some straps or or some sort of of harness that that helps attach the air the aircraft to the trolley, but I've got to think that in general, it's not the trolley's not going to like wrap around it or do anything. No, but it might need some pinholes drilled and things like yeah. that. Well, there's, even there, there's absolutely no attachment in the kit at all. Right. It's just made even, to s- sit on there sort of in whatever position you happen to get it in. But even if you have to drill pinholes, I mean, even that you can be done after you've painted it. It could be done after I paint it. Yeah. So it's, it's not going to be though. <laughs> well, you can do some things like the cowl and the propeller. If you haven't done the propeller. Propeller's already painted. Okay. Unless it gets redone, but it's, it's don't, don't, no, no, no. We're not going to negative model. We're no negative modeling here. Move forward. What else besides the Paul is is approaching your bench? Well, I'm probably going to start assembling the chassis frame to the the Zis Six truck for my Katusha project. Gotcha. In short order, that's probably going to happen pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And then I tell you. We don't mean to mention him all the time, but he's such an influencer. Especially in this case. Modelers at large these days. Um, Martin Kovacs' uh, night shift modeling on YouTube started over the last two weeks of an IS-2 to me a a kit. And man, (laughs) you know, I've enjoyed all his stuff, even though some of his subjects, some of these heavy tanks and stuff like the Japanese heavy tank and then that big American heavy tank and then that yeah. French heavy tank, you know, that those subjects to me are, are big yawners, but they're, they're good. They're good palettes for what he's showing us how to do. Right. This one is right in my wheelhouse. It's a kit I, I want to build at some point. I've never built one, but I've got this KV 85 project kind of on the back burner or waiting in the wing would be a better way to say it. Because uh, I got off to a false start a few years ago and pretty much trashed that effort. The modeling landscape has changed. Uh, that's going to be a lot easier build. And his build of his his IS-2 really makes me want to start my KV-85 in earnest. I can see why. I mean, it is for 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 folks who have that, you know, World War II Soviet armor in their wheelhouse the this what he's doing and the way he's approaching it really fantastic and and he's really showing techniques too well he always does but this one's just it's not just the technique it's the subject yeah so that kind of it's a double whammy for me and they're good they're good videos but anyway back to us it's i'm probably going to break out all my kv85 kits and really assess them for what is uh going to be the the primary carcass i'm going to build this on whether it's going to be the bronco kit or the trumpeter kit i don't know yet i was going to ask you do you know do you have a preliminary plan for what you think would would be the the map that you'd follow going forward well it's 
It's going to be one of those two kits as the basis. I I I don't know which one yet. They they both have warts, but I, I've yet to digest it all to figure out which warts are more. I don't know how to how do you say it that which are more easily correctable. Which are more easily correctable? Which 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 is the smaller of the poison pills? Because neither one of them are great. They all have problems. Uh, the, the the turret issue with both of them is off the table because I have a I have a, a resin turret now that is really really beautiful that I'm going to use. So don't have to worry about the turret problems with both those kits. It's the it's just the whole dimensions and and. This is where, you know, my vlog camera needs to come back into play. I, I really needed to, to break those kits down for what they are and, and uh, make a choice as to which one is the one I'm going to start with. I'm probably going to pull from both of them. I mean, that's sure. almost guaranteed. Well, and and really wasn't the thing that, that you found the most challenging on the on the KV-85 was the turret problems. So the, oh, yeah. The- Hands down. The turret having been solved makes the whole thing a whole lot more doable, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a whole lot more doable. So, and even might be fun. <laughs> now, I remember at one time you told me there aren't a ton of photos of these things, are there? No, there's not. There's like less than a dozen, probably. Wow. And they made a couple of hundred of them, right? Yeah. So, they just well, the Russians weren't big on taking photos anyway in the field, right? And the ones that were taken, a lot of them were staged. So you, you, there's not many. Well, I tell you, of of the photos of fielded production vehicles, I don't think any of them are Russian. They're all German photographs. And by the time the KV eighty five was fielded, they weren't taking a lot of photos in the field anymore, right? Things had gotten a little bit late. Things had, the worm had turned. (laughs) The worm had turned. That's right. So there's just not that much out there. Uh, It's, there's a couple things that are a mystery still that I'm going to have to just fudge. But I think for the most part, it's just deciding which hull I want to base the model on at this point, because the resin turret I have from uh, a resin is, is fabulous. And the other, the two kits aren't bad, but they've got, they got problems and, I just don't know which one is the easiest path yet. So I need to break that down. So that's going to be on my bench soon. I'll be breaking those kits out and probably Neil Stokes book on the KV and his drawings in that book. And Uh, you've been talking about this project for a number of years and I cannot wait to see this one actually, because I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I've ever seen either of those kits built up at a show. Have you? Uh, if you haven't, I haven't, because you've been to way more shows than me. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen. Like, now, keep in mind, when I'm I'm walking along the armor aisles, I'm kind of limited to, ooh, that's a pretty tank. Ooh, that's a pretty tank. Ooh, that's a pretty tank. Um, <laughs> I can identify. I can identify a tiger and a panther and a Sherman and a, a Yog Panther, which is to me the sexiest AFV ever, ever made. But I, I'm not sure even if I was staring straight at a KV-85, I might know what it was. So, you know, take, take it with a grain of salt, but I don't ever sure. remember seeing one built. Uh, I don't know that I have either. So let's change that. Let's build one. That's, that's right. Let's build, <laughs> let, let's you build one. That's my bench right now. Uh, a lot of virtual modeling, and hopefully that'll 
transitioned pretty rapidly over to actually gluing plastic together soon. Those those are called possibilities. That's right. But you have possibilities and fr- endless possibilities in front of you. And that, by the way, is one of the, you know, we talk about finishing, we all of that. One of the nice things about finishing a project is that you have possibilities laid out before you. Because of the fact you finished, you can choose your your next project. And that means there's a whole new clean palette. So, Mike, uh, have you been monitoring the, the modeling landscape for new releases? I, I usually check the modeling landscape every morning. <laughs> you go to the modeling news or scalemates or... Yeah, both of those. And then one of the companies has posted something to Facebook. I'll usually go check that out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's always something going on. Absolutely. Whether it's interesting or not, it's another story. (laughs) Well, there's tons of interesting stuff out there. There is. And? So, uh, and? You want my fave first? Yeah. I got a couple. Okay. Uh, To me, is at the front end of their announcement of their 35th scale Comet. Oh, yes, that's right. British cruiser tank. Now, I, I had a I had a Bronco when I sold it just because uh, it didn't sound like it was going to be a fun build. I don't know. Uh, of the British tanks of the from the war, yeah. you know, this, this one barely made it, I guess. But right. It's, it's kind of like the Chaffee, I guess. Yeah, or the uh, Pershing. Or the Pershing. Probably, that's probably a better analogy. Uh, the Comet was kind of the first time they got it right. Yeah. I mean, it's... What a big clunky square turreted thing or some overcomplicated little riveted thing. Yeah. They had learned lessons and had applied them. And, you know, from the comment, you know, then we get the Centurion and, you know, they're kind of, kind of falling lockstep with most of the other allied powers at that time going into the cold war. Right. Right. But, but this, this is a cool looking tank. I like it. And, and to me is doing one. So, you know, it's not going to suck. Oh, that absolutely! It's not going to suck. Not that the Bronco one did, but I don't know. I, I wasn't that into the Comet, but I might be into it enough to get a Tamiya kit of it. That might be. <laughs> that's, well, that's that's one of those things that you get the Tamiya kit of it. It even if it's not in your wheelhouse that you want to go crazy with it, you know that you can just take it out of the box, assemble it, paint it, and you're going to have a nice model. Probably. And it probably comes with a canvas mantlet cover in it too, unlike the unlike the Bronco kids. <laughs> <laughs> What's your fave, top fave this time? Well, this is kind of a weird one. That's all right. And it, it's only it's only because of the weirdness of it. Do you have any idea what a Laughly V fifteen T is? Not sp- specifically, but Laughly is a French company who made yes. tr- trucks and tractors. That's exactly what it is. This is the pre-war and and obviously 1940. It was a, it almost, it looked, it doesn't look, well, it's kind of the Jeep equivalent, but it's got two extra tires on the, fr- tiny tires on the front up by the uh, radiator, which I assume was for like going over ditches or something like that. Um, this, is, this is the ICM kit, right? Yes, this is the ICM kit. Well, is there a new boxing? Because that that kit's like a year old. 
Oh, is it? See, this yeah. is there. Maybe they've reboxed it. That with it says with Hotchkiss machine gun. So maybe that's the the new part for me. I didn't know. It just this is one of those things you look at and you go, that's weird. And it looks so French. It's not funny. I mean, it. This is absolutely something that the French would build. And it's 35th scale. It's not my wheelhouse. It's, but it's just freaking kind of cool. And I, <laughs> I, I gotta say, I like it. So that, that to me, I mean, who knows? I might actually end up getting that. That's that, that, that might be of, of interest to me. So what's your next one? Oh, man. Uh oh. <laughs> Zukimura. Uh oh. Has uh, I knew this was coming. Thirty second scale Henschel HS one twenty nine, but this time they've kitted the B three version. Yep, which is the one with the big freaking seventy five millimeter anti tank gun under it. Yep. I don't know why I like that plane so much. Because it's a tank. <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty much, especially this one. Yeah, uh, I talked myself out of the B two version. Yep. You're not going to talk yourself out of this one. This one, I don't know, man. This is going to be close. <laughs> I don't know. You know, because it's not, that plane's not very big. It's twin engine, but it's not very big. Right. It's single, single seat, yeah. twin engine, but they were small engines. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is not a particularly large uh, model, even in 30 second scale. So that doesn't help me not buy it. I know. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not necessarily here for that. You know what else? If you build a brewed up KV eighty five, you could mount the the model and it'd be a nice display with both that tank and then the the brewed up K T thirty four eighty five or something like that. No, you could. You know, th- this version wasn't that widely fielded. Yep, it wasn't that big a success, but that's a lot of gun to put on an airplane. <laughs> yes. Yep. You kind of wonder how it stayed in flight once you fired the gun. Got anything else? Well, uh, another another fave for me. There's a company called Rising Decals, and they do, as you might expect, uh, Japanese World War II stuff. And they are doing a series of decal sets for the Zero, all the different marks of the Zero. And I think they're up to uh, it's the Zero Part Five. It's the latest sheet. And I've used these decals before. These decals are really neat. Uh, I've got a number of those Tamiya Zeros on my, uh, in my collection. Uh, I will tell you the Tamiya Zeros, the best kit I've ever built in my life. Built two of them and I'm anxious to build more. So I've got to say, I think that, uh, I think I'm going to, you know, it's not like I have no decals already. I have over, over 500 sheets of decals, each of which has multiple aircraft on it. So it's not like I need more, but I want these. So I'm probably going to get them. I bet you will, Dave. So you got any more faves or are you going to a yawn? Uh, I'm going to a yawn or two. What did I, Hobby Boss release now? No, it's not Hobby Boss. It's Dragon. <laughs> oh, okay. I, you know, they've kicked out a bunch of their old stuff again. And it's not even, it's like a, a bunch of prototype Flak Panzers. And a, a, well, one of them is, you know, the Kugelblitz. Right. And then the obscure one-off, probably Battle of Berlin, the, the, 80, the 88 mounted on a P-51 
Panzer four, I think maybe mm-hmm. Chat chassis and the Ostwin, the 33.7 centimeter hex turreted on a gotcha Panzer four. That one's not bad, but the other two are for me are big yawners. I, I don't, I don't understand why they're not kicking out anything new. Well, I, I see why I, you know, no, that's not exactly true. Given the landscape right now, I would think their viability would depend on them releasing something new. When was the last time Dragon released an actual ground-up new kit? In other words, it wasn't, uh, you know, a a one in their catalog that they added new parts to, or or some, but just a completely new kit. Any idea? I have no idea when it was. It's been so long at this point that nobody may care. Maybe so. I mean, maybe they don't think, maybe they're, they're riding what they got and riding it into the ground because they don't think they can compete with, uh, you know, the, the folks who are out there now. Somebody out there in the model sphere told me something. I can't remember exactly what the circumstances were, but uh, there may be more to their demise than just competition. Oh, you think it might be ownership issues, issues with the ownership group? Possibly. I'll have to dig through my emails and see if I can figure that out again. You got a yawn? Uh, well, no, actually I've got another fave. Um, I'll go for it. It's all right. RS models. I guess these probably had been out previously and now they're, they're re re-releasing them. The JU 86 P and the JU 86 R. Uh, these were versions of the, pre-war JU-86 German bomber that were modified with diesel engines and pressurized cabins and turned into really super high-flying reconnaissance aircraft. And they were used in up to like 1942 or 43. Well, might even been as late as 43. Uh, And they're just, they're super odd looking. They don't look a lot like the Ju-86 that you think of as the bomber from the Spanish Civil War or pre-war World War II German Luftwaffe. They're odd-looking and they're very. They were very specialized, and uh, uh, the British had a heck of a time trying to figure out how to counter them. It's just neat to see. You never thought you'd see these things kitted, and I think. I think the kits are actually originally from a couple of years ago, but they, uh, but they're being reboxed and re-kitted now by RS, and I'm I'm happy to see that. Well, my next yawn is from Das Works, and it's a collaboration with Amusing Hobby. Which one's this? Uh, the Schwerer Kleiner Panzerkampfwagen, the German heavy tank project, 1944. Is this it's a paper a, panzer? Yes, it's a Hetzer-ish looking thing with it's all the got all the whistles and bells. It's got the little turret on top with the machine gun. It's got the IR lighting on it, and you know, I'll, I'll speak Canadian. Okay, this has lots of uh, kit bash potential. <laughs> lots of kit bash potential. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm- you know, there there's enough stuff that was actually made that I want to build, and I build slow enough that I'm not sure I've got the time or energy to build stuff that didn't get made. I, I see a lot of people building this for Warhammer and putting a bunch of space orcs on it. 
that would look pretty cool. Okay, I got to admit that. Uh, you know, that's my opinion. Yeah, you don't have to agree, but that's where we're at. All right. Any more? <laughs> that's all I got tonight, Dave. Okay, that's all I got too. And uh, now we're we're to the point in the show where we talk about what we've been drinking. Now, I am sure that I know what you're going to say about the bourbon you've been drinking. So go ahead and get it out of the way. Uh, Bullet is, again, my staple. It's uh, just a good, solid, not expensive bourbon, inexpensive bourbon. It's uh, it's just good. I like it. It's, it's got a high rye content, so it's spice. It's got a little bit of spice kick to it. It's not too hot. It's just a good, a good sipper. So come by the Mojo Dojo at Nats and we'll have some. That's that. Hey, we're gonna have a line. We're gonna have a line out the door now, man. And I, I know how your beer is, but go ahead. Uh, the Lagunitas, little something something ale, seven point two percent alcohol by volume. You know, this is taste wise, it's kind of adjacent to the Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA. Yeah, it's not. It's not quite as IPA ish. But they're clearly in the same neighborhood. And since I really enjoy the Voodoo Ranger, I've got to say I really enjoyed this. It's a, a don't, don't, it's not a dark beer, and but it's got body to it. It's it's not something that you're gonna drink while you're out cutting the grass in the middle of a hot summer day. It's something that evening if you're sitting by the pool eating chicken wings or, or uh, jerk chicken off the grill, this is what you're going to be drinking. And it's good. I like it, and I definitely will drink it again. All right. So, Mike, uh, we're coming down to the end here. Uh, let's let's do some shout-outs. Do you have a shout-out? Well, I always want to shout-out those who have contributed to the podcast. A lot of folks have taken upon themselves to support the show with their wallet, and we really appreciate that. Uh, there's two ways to do that. You can make a recurring contribution through uh, Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com slash Plastic Model Mojo. You can uh, contribute any amount from $1 up per month there, and uh, Patreon will manage that for you. And we appreciate that. Or if you want to make a one-time contribution or manage your own recurring contribution, you can do that through our PayPal Pay Me link. And you can get to that by going to www.plasticmodelmojo.com. And in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage is a heart icon, which will take you directly to that link to let you do that. So my first shout-out is to everybody who's done all that already and uh, continues to do that every month. Very much appreciated. Hopefully, we've got a lot of good stuff coming in the future because of it. Thank you. Well, I'd like to shout out Jim Bates. By the time you listen to this, Jim has promised that he will drop a new episode of A Scale Canadian TV. So go over to YouTube and watch that. For all the grief I give Jim, and it's all in the in the nature of good-natured grief that is the way that guys show affection for each other. Jim's a great guy. Jim's a good modeler as much as I give him heck about not finishing or Mike gives him heck about painting the same model two or three times. But he is well worth listening to and he brings humor and humanness to to modeling and and makes you realize that this is not or doesn't have to be super, super serious. Shout out to Jim for being a good friend. Shout out to Jim to Jim for contributing to 
making the hobby a more enjoyable and fun place. So go over to Scale Canadian TV and listen. And for me, there's one more, and it's a collective one. I just everybody who's commented on my post, finishing my project, I appreciate all the all the kudos and support, and really appreciate the the constructive ones on things I might could improve on, especially the way you frame those. So it's all all good and, and well well accepted on my part. So hopefully on the next project, I'll incorporate some of those suggestions, and because uh, you know I mentioned it before, I know what some of them are already. I know, I, know, I know where I came up short, but. Uh, I, I appreciate it. So show us some of your work. We'll see what you got going on. And and my shout outs along the same vein, the folks, all of the folks who've reached out on Facebook Messenger and communicated with us, asked us questions, uh, sent us photos of what they've been doing. Again, next to finishing a model yourself to getting your mojo flowing, Nothing gets my mojo flowing by interacting with listeners who have reached out and made comments, made suggestions, asked questions. It is what keeps Mike and I coming back to doing this every two weeks. So keep that stuff coming, really. it You do not know how much we appreciate that. All right, Dave. Well, we probably ought to put a bow on this one and call it done. Yep, because you know what? Uh, Omaha's coming up, and as they say, so many kids. So little time, Dave. We better get on it. I know. See you soon. All right.